Jun wanting to go deep. And he's got him! Jamison Williams eating up the yardage again. Here's a big hole. Look out, he is gone! Travion Henderson! And hand to Brees Hall. Brees Hall! Welcome to episode 22 of Burning the Red Shirt Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Tao, and with me again are Andrew Katz and Chris Kay. You guys doing all right on this Monday? This Monday after work hours, doing great. Monday <laughs> evening, yeah. Yeah. Um, doing great. Yeah. How about you, man? I'm doing great. Just actually got back into town on an hour and a half ago, so knock this podcast out. A little midday flight, nice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Have you back. Midday flight. So, um, I know we don't have a ton to talk about, but I know you guys are participating in a supplemental draft for a dynasty. How many rounds did you guys say it was? It's, I mean, it's like 25. 25. It just continues until. And are you currently in it now? It's still going? We're like mid to end second round. Um, all right. I guess all, we the can... good play- all the good players are already gone. <laughs> so, we can, I guess, kind of jump into that. Um, I don't have that in front of me. So, you guys want to kind of talk about the picks that kind of went early, what surprised you, what stupid, what who hasn't gone yet? Who, who won this league last year? I think that was me. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I don't know. Maybe ask Mike and Josh, and they might be able to tell you. They have a better memory than me. But I'd, uh, I, what's the, what's the way these drafts are set up? Because I have the 13th pick. Is it, like, based on regular season or something? Dude, Wes had, like – were, were you in this league when Wes actually started it? Because mm-hmm. yeah. okay, I, I was not. I, in, I inherited a team, and I had the fortune of going through what JD is presently going for, and being told that uh, when you enter this league, it doesn't matter how you did the previous year, you move to the back of the line from a draft perspective. Oh, that's why I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was nice for me as well because JD inherited uh, David Hale's garbage uh, franchise, <laughs> the, the AEC ACC dumpster fire. And uh, move move from the first pick to the last pick, and then your boy moved up to the second pick as a result, uh, which I mean is ridiculous to begin with, considering my team put up bountiful amounts of points and just ran into monsters week after week. So that that was unfortunate. But getting Dave, to- David Hale's team will be missed, oh, mostly because definitely. people people can now own an ACC quarterback now, which is fun. He had like eighty percent of them. He had like all of them. I tried to use his team as a a uh, magnifying glass to look into, like, okay, this guy has, like, ACC connections, so I can look at his roster and anything can help me unearth gems for, like, burgeoning players in that conference. And, like, I tried to use it across other leagues, and it didn't really work. Like, I, I, I got Gavin back Blackwell and the guy Banks on Wake Forest because I saw he owned them, and they both haven't done anything. So it's been really fruitful. <laughs> The thing is, that's a great idea, except yeah. he owned every single ACC player, period. So, like, yeah, you know, he's going to mess. Yeah, he's going to mess. So, it's sad <laughs> to see him go, but JD will yeah. do a great job with that team. His, yeah. Maybe that's where we started with, because he had three of the first 15 picks based on some mm-hmm. trades and stuff. And now, like, this is like a true rebuild. What was his pick going to be, like, second? 
JD, no, JD would have had it was either the first or second. So then, yeah, yeah I moved up from three to two, which is great. So um, true rebuild. He does not have a ton of talent, and I think two of his three picks make a ton of sense. And his third pick is really confusing to me. So he went with Damian Martinez with the tenth pick. He had Cartivius Norton with the fourteenth pick, and then he took Brian Cobbs with the fifteenth pick. Were you surprised? That felt weird. I think that I mean it's fine, like balancing uh, short and long term because long term only means so much when it comes to CFF, right? Even though everyone's got infinite eligibility, at the same time when you can, it's I mean it's not it's not fun going through a rebuild in CFF, so if you can bring some value to the present just to make the league a little more enjoyable. Why not? I think JD is pretty bought in on on cops based on some of the drafts we've been doing together. I'm. I'm kind of sketched out on him. I feel like there's just there's a, there's a there's a collection of like five people that tweet out about Utah State stuff generally on Twitter, and like one of the I've seen one guy just every single thing he tweets is just like cops can be an all American, cops can be an all American, and like so that seeing that over and over again is definitely like has definitely done a lot to amplify cops' value relative to some of the other Utah State receivers. But you can craft decent arguments, I think, for any of the. The five of Cobbs, McGriff, Xavier Williams, Nine Davis, and Terrell Vaughn. And I don't think that there's anything out there that like definitively can have you feeling ultra, ultra confident about any one of them uh, surfacing as the, the top guy. Not necessarily, not necessarily that they need to be that Devin Tompkins offer any sort of value, like at all, any sort of value at all. But I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough read. Like I, I thought for a while I was gonna be confident snagging Xavier Williams at the end of drafts, but the more I kind of read about that, the more it makes me think. I don't know how well that's gonna play out. And it's Cobb's is so expensive at this point. I don't know how you can really, you can really draft him and think that he is going to definitively return value at that price. So you named off three picks, but who went first? I'm trying to learn. In the draft, yeah, yeah. Chris went on his own tangent of trying to analyze JD's team, but the the first overall pick in the draft. So your boy had the the second pick again uh, because the fates conspired the previous year. No, no fault of his own. And uh, but I traded from pick two to pick one uh, with uh, Justin Heisey. I gave him uh, another Utah State receiver. I I sent him the second pick in the draft and Justin McGriff uh, in exchange for the first overall pick because. I don't know. I personally very much enjoy the power that comes with having the first overall <laughs> pick and having the keys to the car. Just having that in the palm of your hand is a great feeling. Um, so I, I locked that up a little over a month ago, and it was. I'm not gonna pretend to be some some freshman savant, but I, I was pretty confident when I acquired the pick, and never really wavered from the idea that I wanted to bring Nicholas Singleton onto my team, pair him with Travion, and hopefully he follows a, a somewhat similar track that Travion followed last year. I don't think that it's fair to assume that their progression is going to be totally apples to apples, but the idea of pairing them together and doing so where they're both total monsters for a, a season and a half sounds, sounded too awesome to me to pass up. You know, and he was the clear, I think he's the clear first choice. We did a poll yesterday and I think it was like 65% of like 130 people picked him as the first pick. So yeah. the, I think the, 
the gray area was like, who do you pick second? Who do you pick third? And that was like, obviously burden or Cameron Ward. Singleton was definitely the first pick. So like you weren't going to get him at two. So thought it was interesting. I was like, I looked this, uh, this morning, like how did the injury get the first pick? I wonder if he did something crazy and got so, like lucked into it or if he swapped it, which he did. So who did Heisey yeah. take with the second pick that you gave up? Burton. Luther Burton. Okay. So pretty much. The, I, I figured I probably pick. gave him. What would you say? What, what would you say McGriff's equity is at being something representative of an alpha at, at Utah State, which is obviously like a very coveted role? What's his equity there? I mean, there you think there's five guys in the yeah. in the in contention, and I think we all agree Cobbs is probably that first guy. I, I was going to say McGriff's probably around 30 yeah, percent. at like fifty, I like. I don't know. I think like if if you think Singleton's your guy, and that's like who you want, why not? Right? Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, the only thing is that I would worry about is does Luther, what does Luther Burden put up at Alabama next year? <laughs> that could be huge. Yeah. Well, all right. I guess since again, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. I guess I mean, run down the list of kind of the order of. Yeah, I can run out some of these the first round. So Cameron Ward went third. Javante Barnes, the Oklahoma running back, went fourth. Then we went Tracy from Purdue, Klubnik from Clemson, the quarterback, Chris Thornton, the JMU receiver, Devin Brown, um, then McMillan, the Arizona receiver, Martinez, the Oregon State running back. Uh, the, is it Brady Allen, the Purdue quarterback, <laughs> went 11th? Yeah. That's not a good sign for Teddy. Uh, <laughs> Citizen, the Miami guy went 12th. I took Matthew Golden at 13, and then Norton went 14. So I thought there was probably two surprise, three surprising picks, and then the rest of them felt pretty on par. Like, I don't know, Javante Barnes at four felt high, but like, if you love him, I think, I think Jordan's an Oklahoma guy. Is he? I mean, mm-hmm. if you love him, he's probably not getting back to you. No, he's a Kansas guy, actually. But I think he might root for both, which is weird. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no judge no judgment they're not gonna yeah. be in the same conference in a so, couple years I, so they're good what i know you traded up to get singleton like did you need running back or did you just feel like that he was too good to not get this draft like what, what is your what i don't know what your roster looks like so my roster my roster is pretty sweet we'll be there and make it making a playoff run uh i've still got some work to do i think to get it to like to peak competitive status but I wasn't super interested in using the number one overall pick on a quarterback. The freshman quarterbacks generally don't seem like to to do it for me relative to the skill talent, camera ward. I wasn't really feeling that either. And generally my QB strategy is like, I can figure it out. I can make it work. Um, not, it doesn't always work out in this league in particular. I think last year I, I struggled a little bit to find a QB too, but I'm, I'm in a decent enough place. I think going into this year at QB where I, We'll, it'll, we'll get it done. Um, and then uh, running back, I, I've got Jordan Mims. I've got Trey Beyond. I've got Carson Steele. Um, it's definitely – I definitely don't have the depth I would like, and I don't have upper echelon talent. So with that in combination with Singleton, I think just generally being head, head and shoulders above every other freshman, that it, it didn't feel like it was too difficult. I think if you are – I don't know if best player availability is like best player available is the best option at the first pick. I think you just go with the guy that you think is going to be the stud for the longest amount of time and you can fill in the rest. Like 
Cameron Ward is a it's a fine option. I so think we've talked about. Him I guess it's a good question to ask then. So if let's say you had the number one pick, are you filling need or are you filling best player available? Like in I this, mean, I'm just taking the best. Like if you needed wide receiver, you go burden, right? Yeah, I misspoke. I'm sorry. You take the best player available. You don't take based on need, is what I meant to oh, okay. say. Oh, so yeah. I think technically speaking, quarterback could have made sense for Andrew based on his roster, but like he's also not so heavy like with studs at running back and receiver that I think Singleton fits both molds. But I think in generally speaking, like I would have taken Singleton and I have 30 stud running backs. So if that helps answer that for you. I don't think need ever really makes sense just because like if one player's unequivalently better than the field and you're all, you're stuck to that position, you just trade him. So I'm, like there's yeah. no point in leaking value, assuming you believe in the guy. That's fair. I was kind of going to get there. I figured if at the yeah. very least you trade your your assets for something you do need down the road. Yeah. This league isn't one of the, this league's the, the dynasty league of the ilk where all the rosters are like 50 players. So mm-hmm. when you think about supplemental supplemental player pool and that it's the freshmen and then players who weren't owned but have, have seen their stock rise up to the point where they're now in consideration for early picks. All those players are pretty much all already owned. Uh, and there's no Miles Price in the pool. How yeah. many teams? Yeah. Trig. How many 14. Teams? 14? Okay. Yeah, I think in our other one, like I think, for instance, maybe ours or even like the winning edge one that Andrew and I are in, or maybe Andrew's not in. He keeps. You, we go through this. I mean, like, we do this every time. I've been too many leagues, too many leagues. <laughs> There's like Price and Trig and all these guys are available. I might but have I, to join that league just so the answer changes. Just to get this, yeah, just to get next this. time you ask it. So, yeah, this is Andrew's right. Like this is basically all freshmen, and then like the guy that transferred and fell into a good situation, um, like the just the next man up that for some reason slipped by. Like Gavin Williams is a great example of like a next man up that kind of slipped through Iowa running back. And he went, I think, like 16 or 17. So that's pretty much all freshmen, really. Gotcha. So I guess we can run through both of y'all's picks just to – I mean, there's 14 teams. A lot of these guys are going to be notable players. So who did you guys take? Just Singleton so far, waiting for it to get back to me. Oh, that's we're only in the first round. Okay. Yeah, we're only halfway through the second, basically. It just started this morning. It's not snake. It's like it is snake. It is snake. Yeah, I had traded my second oh. rounder. I'm scared to look for like what I traded it for, <laughs> and I actually don't think I can find it, which is probably a good thing. That's, uh, that's a good question. I'm going to ask. So, when you make a trade and you get to that, you know, future picks or whatever, and you come back to the next year and you're like, "Man, what did I trade for this?" Like, do you try to make sure you get the value out of that trade a year later? Or are you just like, you know what? Screw it. I made the deal. I'm just going to – this is the pick I've got. I'm just going to make the pick. Like, do you – It's fun to think about it that way. You um, understand yeah. my question? Like, yeah. you're like, okay, I gave this up for it. Do I really <laughs> – I feel like I need to make this pick count. Because <laughs> like, I, I used to do that. And now I'm just like, you know what? I, I either made a good deal or a bad deal. Yeah. I think there's like a learning component to it, which is nice. Like, Hey, okay. Well, like, you know, last year I was throwing picks like out at trades for anything. Then like, it's good to be like, okay, well, like in theory, this is what that type of player is going to be. And now does that make sense? But like with me, I make enough bad trades that I just would prefer not to. 
to look back at how bad they were. So uh, I, I don't really look until I get really bored and then I try to find it. But I don't think I can find it. I looked a little bit earlier. I usually only look when I know I got a good deal. I'm like, oh, yeah, look at that great deal. Scott, I got three studs for like a couple future picks that I know that he wasted on. Oh, do you guys go and look and see what they drafted with the picks you traded? No, I'm not that fucking twisted. <laughs> That's a little too deep. Okay. It's a little too deep. Okay. Well, since you guys are just in the beginning of that draft, I think we can kind of move on to the news that we kind of got today. Well, hold on. Have you oh. – so do you use the score app? I can't remember. I do. Have Did you notice that they finally rolled over NCAA football? I haven't. To, to 2022. It took – it was like within the last week. It was right around when media days started kicking off, which is inexcusable. It should have been done in February, obviously. Uh, but it's great because like that's my – In February when we send our emails to fan tracks? It should, it should start hitting up the score as well. Um, yeah. But <laughs> – it's great because, I mean, when I'm trying to just look at get, get feel for a slate of games for a given week, that's my go-to spot. Navigating ESPN or any other schedule, is it just doesn't come close, in my opinion. I to think like we've, we've discussed this. I use the Score app, but I really use the Yahoo Sports app. I, can't, I, can't, I refuse to believe that that's actually usable. Like My experience <laughs> with the Yahoo fan, Fantasy or Scores app is just like – it's it's for maybe i guess they've redone their app because it was so unusable back in the day like my phone would just die instantly more or less well we know you like the score app because it tells you the time until the back from halftime correct that, that's action that's, that's action action I started using action uh last year when the score was down for multiple weeks at the beginning of the year and you i don't know if you like if you can personally identify the action app when like you know, our fellow degenerates are sharing pictures on Twitter, but it's very, it's very recognizable because it's, it's got the, um, it's got like the field uh, uh, in the background. It's like, it's very personalized and it's very clearly the action app, but you're right. It's an amazing feature like that, that the action app shows you like when a game goes to halftime, how the countdown mm-hmm. until the second half starts, which is like, if I, well, I know you're like me, if you're whatever app you're using, otherwise you're just, hitting the refresh over and over, seeing, waiting for the effing game to come back. But right. with that, I mean, they solved that. That's the answer to the riddle there. So, I mean, props right. to them, but I mean, actually seeing the score app roll over to, to week zero and week one, I, they've combined the two. Yeah. That's what I was say. They call everyone, it. Week everyone one. tends to do this and it, it, it's not giving week zero. It's proper due. In my opinion, it needs to be its own entity and need like those teams need to be recognized for the value they're delivering to us. And I think that's a good, a good way of doing it. Uh, but I, they just like seeing all the games on that one screen, like really. And the time I associated with the games really starts to like, give me the sense like, all right, we're not that far off. We're getting there. We're almost, we're almost there. And also it gives you good context into the window of, or what the windows look like for that week. Obviously, our graphics do a better job of that, right? The, the graphics that yeah. all, all of us uh, in some way, shape, or form have started to to do um, for the, whether it be conference media days or week zero. Uh, but I, I I don't know about you, but I've started to just like form some thoughts on those windows for for week one. Like there's and, and week zero. I, I can't believe that we still don't have a game time for some of these games. Like the Nevada game in week zero, that dude, yeah. that's like, that's a month away. 
what if people are buying are trying to plan flights to go to that game or like plan their like some people are very very regimented when it comes to scheduling their, their trips like the my buddy who plans all of our college football trips this would be beyond unacceptable um <laughs> based on how he likes to structure itineraries but i mean that's so that game in week zero still doesn't have a time. And then week one, the Hawaii WKU game does not have a time either. And obviously once we get into season, like things are different, right? Because yeah. of the TV elements of like, you get got like the, the week or two leading up to the, the games where the TV uh, channels can hold up, can hold everyone hostage and not uh, say what network or what time games are. But I feel like that's a little different. This, you've had 10 months or whatever at this point. <laughs> To like, or eight months to like figure this shit out, and we still don't like what. What's the holdup? Well, I'm, but, I'm thinking they're probably trying to get a network to pick it up, like Nevada, New Mexico the, State. Yeah. So they're probably trying to auction it off to whoever will pick it up. It's gonna it's high gonna, bidder for Nevada, New Mexico State, right? And it's probably gonna end up on FS2, something. We like could play. We could place a bit. A bid. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking we just stream it live from the BTR it's a on the ground. <laughs> look if they want to pay us to go be boots on the ground in las cruces i think we do it what's the best game that day in week zero in week which zero, by the way which by the top. way which by the way you alluded to our graphics we actually have posted a graphic um with the schedule breakdown uh, for week zero if you haven't checked our twitter account do so nice colorful graphic that y'all contributed on but uh, yeah anyway you can answer the question. The best game. The best game. I mean, it's tough to argue anything other than Hawaii Vanderbilt, right? Even though Chris was successful in his attempt to to stage a coup against my Week Zero on onslaught and get those games removed from our uh, our Roto World leagues, <laughs> I will no longer be attaining my my rightfully earned and deserved forty points from Mike Wright that night. But it's still gonna be a great game. Like I'm already, I'm already thinking about that. Like that's this is the one slate of the year where, or that in week one, I guess, where you can actually think about a DFS slate like from a ways off, right? Like what mm-hmm. you can't go planning for week two DFS at any point before week one ends, right? With any sort of outside of setting up templates and stuff like that. Um, but that's not, I don't know, from like a, a theory perspective and a strategic perspective. But like week zero, week one, you could actually start thinking about stuff and like what's outside of position battles and injuries, what else is really going to change? And the knowledge that we have in terms of what expectation going into those games pretty much is what it is at this point. Um, so, by the way, uh, that with respect to that, that game though, that's like, like I, I feel like it, owning Mike Ray was going to be such a rewarding, uh, opportunity that that night right maybe that game is on uh, a, a slate with uh some uh, some other games people are more inclined to to lean into timmy chang in hawaii and mike mm. wright just comes in and runs for 204 there you go i don't and even did see this sports network which is just disappointing to see that that's what that's on i i could be wrong i believe there may be only one espn game that day it's just the um what is the ESPN game? I don't think they have an ESPN. It's not an ESPN. Very strange. Like, I, I mean, to be fair, for? which one would you? I mean, the best game. Okay, so <laughs> that, 
<laughs> I think theoretically speaking, people would say Nebraska Northwestern. I was just gonna say don't say best game, but I think it's only because it's like, oh, you have like a conference game week in zero. Ireland. It's in oh. Ireland. Uh, <laughs> but like I I might find myself not watching any of that game. I think there's a I think Hawaii and Vanderbilt's the best game of the day. If Wyoming hadn't had like a million guys transfer, that would be really hot compared, you know, versus Illinois. But I think the one that we might learn the most on is Austin P against Western Kentucky. And I say that because if they don't put up like 63 points <laughs> against Austin P, then we're, we have all gone way too crazy on the whole Western Kentucky thing. If they put up like 21 points, then I would fire sell all those guys. If you can't put up, <laughs> because like that offense should do whatever it wants against that. Now they might also give up a million points, but they should score regardless. So I, I, uh, the more I think about it, the more I want, I can't, I can't take too hard a stance on this since I've already taken like a decent amount of Texas tech and we'll continue to take miles price when I can. But I think it is likely that the biggest learning from the early season of WKU and Texas Tech will be that Bailey Zappi was so, so good that we just didn't give enough credit to what he did for that team. Like it's easily replaceable. Like you could just. Yeah. Take- the idea that you're just going to slot Jared Daigie uh, in there and it's going to, ju- it's going to be at all representative of anything that Zappi did is insane. There's like rumblings that this transfer Austin Reed is like doing a good job of competing that he like, you know, maybe he doesn't win the job, but he's like close enough where if Diggy only puts up 21 points against Austin P that Reed might have a shot. It's Jared Diggy. Dude, the dude couldn't even be good at Bowling Green and then went in, went to, to West Virginia, led that garbage offense. And now, I mean, what is it really going to be surprising when he doesn't blow the doors off of Conference USA? It's not. I just think, right, like, the problem is that it's a horrible conference with a great offensive system that, like, yeah. even if he does, does 70% of, of Bailey Zappi, that's still, like, a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns. It's a top-20 quarterback still. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be close to it. At <laughs> I, least. I, I gave Mike shit the first time he took Austin Reed when he was on the clock and that guy announced his transfer uh, to WKU. But the more like I, I've I haven't seen the rumblings you're talking about, but just based on where players have been going and that Reed has like continued to get picked a little bit here and there, I think I would it be that surprising, right? If well, if he, if he ascended to stay on brand for myself at least, I am not Cameron Ward. I'm not pro Cameron Ward, and I can't I can't really be pro Austin Reed. I mean, the guy yeah. transferred from like Northern Florida, right? Like, I understand. Dude, he, not even FCS. Division they were like two. deep. Yeah. So, is it possible? Sure. But like, I mean, if Daigie could be good, I guess anybody could be good in that offense. I don't know. It's that's a, it's someone said it the other day. Like, they said, like, they, they retweeted our, our image, our graphic, and was like proof that like, we just want football. It's like when people get yeah. jacked up yeah. about like week one of preseason football. And it's like, this is amazing. <laughs> I think the, the more casual fan will be like, Oh my God, football's back for week zero. And then maybe like by the time Northwestern scores their first touchdown in like the fourth <laughs> quarter of the Nebraska game, 
they're like, okay, I think I've had enough. I can wait yeah. a week. I'm good. So I want to. I would counter. Jump, hold on, Andrew. I want to jump in real quick. So UConn at Utah State, like the, the biggest contrast of week zero and week one opponents, I think, for Utah State. Right? Don't they play Alabama week one? Utah State. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, so they play UConn week zero to to warm up to play Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah, I feel like they could have done a better job of warming up. Which they're but. also, I think, a thirty-eight and a half point underdog to Alabama, which they're probably a thirty-eight and a half point favorite against UConn. It's twenty-eight. <laughs> twenty-eight. So that's I, I noticed that I was like, man, you get UConn week zero, then you just pack it up and say, all right, we're gonna go to Tuscaloosa and. Hope for the best. Like, at what point of that game do they say, okay, this this week is going to look nothing like next week? At what point of that game do they decide that? When they walk out there? You want my my personal conspiracy theory surrounding the UConn game? Okay. So, they've tried to do everything they can to deny this, uh, but I'm convinced that Logan Bonner doesn't play in that week zero game against Utah against UConn. If you poke around the message boards enough, you can find out he, he, to some capacity towards ACL in the bowl game. And in uh, like December 18th, it was the bowl game against uh, Oregon state. And just based on following the progression of interviews and stuff, it sounds like, it sounds like, all right, a little bit of time passes. So maybe late December, early January, eventually get surgery. Doesn't play in the spring at all, sits out the entire spring with a torn, like, so he's got a torn ACL. And he, by the time fall camp kicks off, right, he's going to be, I mean, the math is a little tricky, I guess, but seven months and changed and change uh, away from that. And every position's different. It's not like that dude is known for his, his movement skills or anything like that. But being ready for week one or week zero, week zero, right? And or sending him, sending it, sending him to Tuscaloosa, coming off the tour in ACL. Like these sound like dicey propositions to me. And Blake Anderson and Logan Bonner have said, like, yeah, we expect him to be ready, et cetera, et cetera. But I will believe it when I've seen it. When I see it, like I've I haven't drafted any Bonner. I've gone out of my way to get his backup, uh, not Levi Williams, Cooper. Apparently, it's pronounced Lega, Cooper Lega, not Legos. <laughs> And, of course. Uh, yeah, I, I don't believe that he's get, that he's going to be ready. But I mean, I guess who knows? Like we get so much sketchy info, but like coming a torn coming back from a torn ACL that quickly feels like it's a, a dicier proposition than it feels like we are assuming based on the little that we've heard. I hope they're not saving him for Bama. Like they're like <laughs> we don't want to risk it getting worse against the UConn. Let's just say. I feel like if you if you can't make week zero, then like just just skip week one. Like, yeah. now nah, send him in. Send him in against Bama. You heard oh, you heard God. what Dion said about Let Alabama. Will Anderson get a hold of him? I saw he had some quote about playing Bama. Right. So they asked him like, "Do you want to play Alabama? Like, you know, how like HBCUs play like the big they, the big boys, if you will, and they get a payoff and that right, like any other FCS school." And he basically said, "I'm not going to exploit my kids for." A paycheck blah 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 but he says we're not on that level yet i'm, I'm paraphrasing but um, we're not on that level yet um but give us a year or so and we'll be ready like but i think that's like 
you know, it's like we get the typical coach speak. So we're going to we're going to prepare like any other week, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, no, you're not on. You're not. You're playing Alabama. You're you're going in there to get the break speed off of you. And you just <laughs> you just really hope that you don't come away with a bunch of injuries. I feel like that's if realistically, if you're coaching one of those FCS programs and you go into Tuscaloosa to play Alabama or any Georgia or any big powerhouse team, like you're just hoping you can walk away with a with a full roster. I think coaches are hoping they can keep it. Like I wouldn't say like a top respectable five team, like a Georgia or Bama, right? Like yeah. I think those are pretty much like let's just get these guys and some reps and against high competition, see how they yeah. perform. See I think like are. yeah. You know, like an App State, Michigan, right? Like, I think App State probably went into that game like, we're really good. Let's just try to keep it close at halftime. And then, like, let's make a couple adjustments and, like, let's get out there and try to win it, right? Like, obviously, they're trying to win the whole time. But, like, that type of mentality where it's, like, keep it close and then let's make a move. Like, I think that makes sense. But I think that yeah, that's Be within stuff a came... score going into the fourth quarter type of thing. Yeah. And I think then uh, the Jackson State stuff – came off the backs of uh, Nick Saban saying that he loves and like is fully on board with Alabama playing in state schools. Did you see that comment he made? Basically. Yeah. I I fully support and love, you know, playing in state schools. He has literally never played an in-state school (laughs) at Bama except for Auburn. (laughs) It's so great. When do we get the Troy matchup? They'll never play Troy. I don't think, you know, there's no zero upside to that, right? Like you just play, they played UAB back in the day and got beat up right before Saban. So they probably have some, some bad memories on that stuff. Yeah. No, it's funny. It's also interesting how they rarely ever leave the state, leave the South for any games. Like they, they're ironically, don't they play Texas this year? Yeah, they played Texas. Yeah. Is it in, it's in at Texas, right? I want to say it's probably like Jerry's world, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's a rarity that they play a regular season game, a non-conference game away. But I guess if they're playing at Jerry's world, you know, it's not really. Well, I, they've played more games there than Texas has. Let me, I'll Um, look it up real quick. But anyway, um, I saw that Jackson state quote and I was like, you know what? Like not necessarily fan, not a fan. I I couldn't really care less. Deion Sanders at Jackson state. That's great. But, I feel like that he's a coach that's like breaking all the molds of like coach speak. He's going to tell you the truth. Like, look, we're not ready or we are ready. And like, do you, and okay. Question. Do you think he takes a P five job ever? Or do you think he just stays at Jackson state? And yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Just a matter of how, how soon. So when does he coach Florida state? How long until he's the coach at Florida? Well, it's, it's going to be a weird, tough decision for him quickly. They play at Texas, not Jerry World, okay. uh, Bama. Um, which is a rarity, I, but go ahead. Which is a rarity, yeah. So the problem with Florida State is that he has to make a quick decision because, I mean, their coach is going to be gone after this year, right? right. Like, yeah. So it's not like Florida State's teed up for like two, three years from now where I think like he a respectable – I think anybody can understand that type of move. But it's going to be a quick turnaround. So it's going to be, okay, well – you got one year at Jackson state, then it, you kind of look like a jack wagon for all the stuff that you said and like building up the, you know, not yet. We're not ready to play Bama yet. Like give us a year. Like don't say that if you're just going to bolt in a year. So he'll be in a tough situation. But don't you think half of those players are going to follow him to Florida state anyway? 
Do you think he maybe goes two years and gets like another good recruiting class? Very possible. And then I mean, he bolts could, and tries to get. He could have this on? whole thing figured out already. Like, I'm just going to get all these kids to come to Jackson State, knowing they're going to follow me to wherever I go, and have an immediate recruiting class by default. I think if Jackson State is, they're going to be successful this year. But if they yeah. if they like are elite for their conference, their division, then. Like, I wonder what – I mean, think about all the recruits that will go. And with this new rule that's coming in play, right, where you can I, – I don't know when it goes into effect and if it's 100% official, but, like, the whole you can transfer as many times as you want. Right. The Jarrett Dagey slash Brew McCoy rule. Uh, it makes you wonder, like, if he goes anywhere, you would think that, like, Dion's one of the, like, coolest-looking, sounding, greatest players in college football history, you know. So, like, why wouldn't you want to go play for him? And he's a good coach top of it. He seems to be, yeah, a very good coach as well. All right. So you brought up a name that I kind of want to touch on. No, you don't want to talk about this right now. So the word is this morning that Brew McCoy is not eligible. What are the percentages that we think he is eligible? I mean, I, all jokes aside, like, that's that's kind of a big deal for our uh, our teams that we've been. It could be any, it could be any sort of number, you know. Like you could tell me any percentage, and I would, <laughs> I would believe it. I think best case, it's probably sixty-five, thirty-five. He's eligible, but we don't know what it is. All that yeah. Josh Heupel said last week was that he's not officially eligible. Mm-hmm. There's one other thing to pass, essentially, and that when they know, they'll know. That is literally it. I tweeted at a beat reporter today. Because, of course, <laughs> I haven't found Brew's mom on Insta, uh, Twitter yet, so I, I'll tweet her eventually. But it could be anything. I, mean, I wonder if it's the thing you alluded to earlier with the whole transfer as many times as you want thing. Like, if they're waiting for that, like, official, like, stamp to be I don't approved, know. and then now he can just... Yeah, it's just, it. it's weird because he sat out last year. Do we know if he went to USC, like, as a student? Because he wasn't a scholarship athlete. Which, like, that's kind of, like, the big tie is usually, like, if you sign a scholarship and you're getting paid for, that, like, that's, like, the the decision between, like, okay, this is an actual transfer that counts or, like, is up for debate or whatever versus, yeah. like, you know, because if Stetson Bennett said, screw it, I'm just going to go to Georgia and not be an athlete and just be a straight student, he could probably transfer somewhere next year with if there was, like, no transfer rules or if the rules were, like, stricter, right? So, like... It could be anything. I'm very scared right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of stock in him across the. Line. I have all the stock in him. Well, we have it in the the. I've got a couple actually. The ones that I've done without you, I think I've taken him in. And, and then the BTR. He's in the he's in the intro, right? Yeah, and he's in the intro. He's in, yeah. Well, he's in the alternate intro. I have multiple. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. All right. Well, is any other topics you want to discuss before we jump I, into the win? I think the only other hot button, hot button thing was um, prize picks, but I think everybody's kind of beaten that one down after Chase and Natty did it. We yeah. don't think we need to do it. But. Well, then let's transition to our win totals series that we do. And this is the first time we've done it with all three of us with the new setup. Um. All right, Florida State. This is from the Discord. I don't know who suggested Florida State. 
Um, but um, what do you guys think about Florida State this year? You guys already think they're going to have a new head coach next year. So they're going to start off with a win, right? Week zero, they get Duquesne, right? We're going to agree with a win. <laughs> you guys gonna- yeah, I'm just <laughs> – I if, am I the only one that's hearing you weird, Andrew? Do you hear that? Um, yeah, but I I picked up enough to understand that Zach is trying to hint us towards affirming a win for Florida State over Duquesne. Okay, I don't know what you guys heard or didn't hear, but I kind of think... sound like you just chugged like uh like two energy drinks and then you so you're like kind of like super sped up with like a little mix of crackle. Oh, and it started when you were sharing the, the schedule. Oh well, I'll re-say it then. Florida State was mentioned in the Discord. <laughs> they played Duquesne in Week Zero. Yeah, we'll give them the win over Duquesne, and then I, I don't know if you noticed uh, Week One though that is, that is no normal normal game, right? That is the the highly coveted Sunday night game of Week One. Ah, that's a good one. So, one of the, one of the best windows of the entire year, I would say. It's a top ten for sure. We have to. I think we do a, a show before the season or a, a segment talking to the top my, top ten windows. One of my favorite topics: the best college football windows of the entire year, and that's clearly top ten. Uh, as is uh, Labor Day night gets its own uh, gets its own uh, entry into the top ten as well. But the the Sunday night game's great, right? Because everybody's got off Monday. We're all we're, everyone's on the same page. We're all just trying to we're on a mission that night to just keep it going, get demoed, and not have to pay any consequences on Monday. <laughs> and we got that game there for us to keep us comfort, right? So do we great. think do we think that's actually going to be close? I guess LSU is not typical LSU, so I think this actually would be closer than than yeah, in theory. I, What's I the wish line? I could say I cared enough about about line like line play to to know anything about it. But the la- my la- last memory of LSU is them barely having enough defenders to, to field the team against K- Kansas state. Right. So I don't know what they've done to rebound from that, uh, from a, a, like a roster strength and just warm body perspective, but I, I'm not for better or worse. I'm not going into the season, assuming that they're like that, that loaded LSU squad uh that we come to expect from uh, like a top to bottom all along the lines killer defense type of deal like i think it could be a game where is it played uh superdome it's in new orleans nice so we're gonna say one and one for Ah, um i'm I'm saying lost lsu uh, yeah i think that's fair How, how many quarters does travis miss in that game from just getting bludgeoned I mean, he's probably 50% after the Duquesne game. I mean, he's <laughs> got to get 25 carries against Duquesne. Yeah. He might be at 20 at halftime of this LSU. Yeah. I mean, he might – over-under is probably like three quarters for him to play it. I think LSU wins. They got three quarterbacks, which is better right. than one. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just don't have any faith in, in FSU. So, like, LSU could – have no quarterback and I'd probably pick LSU over Florida state. Yeah. They got the double bye week as we can see here, but they cut the week two mm. technically bye week. Then they come back and play at Louisville on a Friday night in, in Louisville. Ooh, that's fun. I'm picking Louisville. If you're in game. Uh, an FSU fan, you got to love the beginning of the schedule for a couple of reasons here. You get a week zero game, which is fun. You don't have to wait as long. 
Then you get like a prime time game. Then you're off, which is not the greatest, but whatever. But then you get a Friday night game against a good opponent. That just feels like a just a great beginning to the season, entertainment hey, value wise. You went you went to a football school, right? You went to Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. um, as I dox you on air. And <laughs> the what is like the the point of view that's articulated by people who cover college football seems to be that when you're at like when you're part of a like boots on the ground fan base of a college football school any game that is not played on a saturday is like a travesty for you as a fan whereas like we like i view it from the perspective of just more content more games more time more times to gamble it's, it's only awful i think what they're really trying to say is like fans that want to visit right because if like if you're a hokey and yeah. a lot of our fan base is on the east side of Virginia, right? It's Northern Virginia, it's Richmond, it's Newport News. Like, you know, it's that east coast. Like, if the great thing is a Thursday night game, that's like epic, amazing Virginia Tech game to be at in person. And those are just super difficult, right? Because, like, how many hotels are there in Blacksburg? Like, two and a half, maybe. But is that, is that a unique Virginia Tech atmosphere thing because Sandman's even cooler on a weekday and night? Or like, if you weren't Virginia Tech, would the same things apply? Uh, if it's night game, the first prereq for for Enter Sandman is night. <laughs> okay, it's just gotta be at night. It's a day is cool, one hundred percent. But yeah. I have like in my experience of going to day games as well as night games, even if we got pummeled, even if it was freezing, even if it was cold, wet, whatever, was night was always the best. Of course, Thursday night's gonna be great. A lot of times it's just because like the momentum, like nobody goes to class that day, which is just always fun. <laughs> Everybody cancels class the next day, you know, or expects you not to show up. So I always tell people, I actually told one of the guys, a, a guy I met through my wife uh, a couple of weeks back, like, he's like, that's one of my like top 10 things I want to do before I die is go to a Virginia Tech game. And I'm like, please just go at night. Like it has to be a night. It'll be a pain in the ass to schedule and to, to plan just because of the way Blacksburg is. And, you know, there's not a lot of close cities. You can't really fly to Blacksburg. But do a night game. It's 100% the way to do it. All right. Exactly. So oh, back to the – L at Louisville. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm, easily. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, Long and short, loss. All right. Boston College. They get him at home. I mean, I'm not a huge Boston College guy. Not either, but I think that it's going to be a lot closer than. I'll go like Florida the, State. I'll I'll say Florida State. I'm, I'm probably leaning I'm, that yeah, way I'm too. Fine, I'm fine with that. They're two and two, and then they get Wake Forest, which we I think we're going to say that's a loss. I just don't think they can keep up with Wake. Wake Forest homecoming, Ugh. but I guess it's better than the alternative in a couple weeks. Um. They get so Wake Forest. We're going to say loss. Yep. At NC State, loss. Loss. Clemson, loss. It's going to be like a super ugly game. Yeah, Travis so, is either dead or dying. That game. <laughs> yeah, seventeen ten, super boring, one offensive touchdown type of thing. Okay. And they get the second bye, uh, bye week after Clemson. They're going to need it. And then, and then they get Georgia Tech. Travis is back, kind of healthy now. Right, yeah. he, uh, he's good he's, for another. He's upright. Carries. He's standing upright. I think they win. 
think yeah, we've already right. we've already done Georgia Tech schedule, and they only won twice. So I don't think it, this was one well. A lot has changed since we did it, but <laughs> I'm willing to to go with Florida State uh, losing or winning. I'm sorry, winning. Okay. It's like, wait a minute. Now you're just throwing a whole wrench into everything. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. So Florida State is now three and what? Four. We'll count it up in a minute. So then they go at Miami. Loss. Loss at Syracuse. I'll give them the win. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think I would lean Syracuse. It's almost like a battle of their own self, right? Schrader and uh, Jordan Travis are like the same guy. Are we split? They don't have Sean Tucker. So I kind of like Syracuse there. Split. So, Andrew. Um, we can go Syracuse. Hey, so that's a loss. Then they get a really tough, like, non-conference game right before they play Florida. Louisiana. This might be the game that uh, that gets Norville canned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He probably boss. has, like, a countdown. Yeah, he's probably got a countdown in his office that nobody knows of that's, like, oh. just to this game. He's thinking, like, if I lose this game, I'm out. <laughs> like, there's no coming back from this. So... I mean, I think he loses. Louisiana wins that one. I think we've done that one already. Then they close with Florida. It doesn't get better. So, if we're saying loss, they lose four of the last five. So, they won one, two, three. They won three. Three games. Andrew, do you have the total up? No, didn't even cross my mind. I, can, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably that. higher than three. It's got to be higher than it's three. Like it's probably like four. And, I was gonna say four and a half, maybe, maybe five. Look it up. Florida State six and a half. Mm. Is the wow. Number. We have them winning three games. Like, I'm cool with it running with three and getting all the hate mail from Florida State fans, but. I'm having a hard time picking up three, possibly four more games there. Like, if we've already said they're losing to Louisville, they're losing to Who do you think that – yeah, who do you think it is? They've got to be counting Louisiana. Yeah. And there's heavy juice on the over, too. Hmm. So, they're going to beat Georgia Tech. That's what we've already given. Syracuse. It's got to be Syracuse. It's got to be Syracuse. Syracuse, Louisiana, Georgia Tech – BC, Boston College, Louisville. That's still only five. And Duquesne, six. Duquesne, Duquesne, Duquesne yeah. six. It's, now, I would say what the, Wake Forest is the next, or Louisville is the next close. Those have to be the next closest, too, right? Like Florida. Yeah. Florida's there ish. I don't know. We're going to run yeah. with three. We're riding with three, and we're just going <laughs> to be. If you're very- listening to this, you need to bet the under. I mean, I'm having a hard time picking, even getting to six, really. Some people look seven. for comfort in their numbers being in their ball, same ballpark as Vegas's, but we as thought leaders yes, are fine with deviation from... So tomorrow, when that number drops to four and a half, you'll know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vegas, listen to our podcast. Exactly. Right, we can go ahead and move to this next team. Central Michigan. It was another Discord 
mentioned. So we like to cover all the Discord uh, requests. Surprise, Brandon still interacts with us after uh, we, <laughs> we 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 put uh, Michigan State in a pine box. Yeah, we, we weren't very nice to them. Oh, no, we were not. All right, let's go ahead and go get started on Central Michigan. So they open up at Oklahoma State. I feel like they've played every year for the last like. It's a total four. revenge game. <laughs> I feel total like this revenge is the game, game they always play. I don't think Oklahoma State will ever because that was the Corey Davis amazing finale, wasn't it? In the bowl that's game what, against Oklahoma State. That's Western no. Michigan, though. Uh, they're all the same. Says <laughs> the Michigan fan. So loss. We're gonna go ahead and get loss. Oklahoma yeah, State. Yeah, dude. South Alabama. I was I was listening to to Nick and Nick and team talk about South Alabama yesterday, and it made me want to bet the the over because they were talking about a path where South Alabama gets like eight or nine wins, and the Vegas total for them I think is like five and a half, maybe. Um, I don't. But that game is obviously critical on like South Alabama fulfilling that prophecy. That I I love those kind of like those g5 versus g5 from different conference non-conference games like those are so fun like a bowl game same team. yeah exactly yeah. i want some uh some vindication here i looked it up real quick it was not the Corey davis game i apologize it was the untimed down that gave them another play to then uh for cmu to win mm. and like the next year this is 2016 like the next year he was he still would not admit that they lost to central michigan that's crazy. I told I don't remember that at all. So, anyways, I, sorry. I, what do we really think? Central Michigan, like Lou Nichols, is just going to get the ball a ton, right? Like that's kind of the. the I've, game I've been drafting him more than I would like to, like, but like usually where I target him is in the eliminator format that that Greg runs because the money weeks or the those matching weeks, like where you really. Getting, getting Mac guys, if you can eke out the beginning weeks, like make it through the non-conference without getting three strikes, uh, and just and then it's like, all right, now I'm just dealing with those awesome Mac weeks, and those guys all shift to like the the, the high value plays that you want to have in your lineup. So it makes a lot of sense to target Nichols there, assuming you can figure out a way to win to not lose the weeks where he might not enter your lineup. Which is last year when I when I entered those leagues, I did it from the opposite angle, which is like, even though I, I ended up winning, I think at least one of those, it's like a loser mentality. It's like, I'll avoid the Mac because I don't want to get strikes. Well, how about I actually go and try and win this damn thing instead. Uh, but, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm still kind of sketched on Nichols a, a little bit, uh, just from the perspective of what we should expect with the offense uh, this year with coordinator change. Um, but it's tough to like feel too confidently that he's not going to be an awesome uh, player this year. Like it's not a stand I really want to take. Hmm. They got some good offensive players, which maybe will help. Like, you know, maybe there's not full blown like visibility straight on nickels. Like yeah. I think Pimpleton loss will be tough because he was so good at returns and stuff. Like it, he was so good in the special teams game. And obviously as a receiver was very, very good. So I think they're not going to be as good as la like last year, but you know Richardson returns and he was a young guy last year, so that's always nice. Um, so I don't know. I think you guys can pick South Alabama game. 
I would probably say, lean. I say, I say South Alabama. Yeah, I would say I typically like to probably just go the opposite of MAC, just because MAC typically tends to be the worst conference. It's MAC. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say Central Michigan. So you guys override. So South Alabama. So they're zero two now. Um, Bucknell, we're gonna give them the win. Win. At Penn State, doesn't seem ideal. L. Loss. And they at Toledo. Loss. Yeah, you're yeah. not coming out of the glass bowl with a win. And they get Ball State homecoming. It's a win. It's a win, yeah. At Akron. We can give them a win. I'm, I, I got rope, roped into the, the, the Akron over 2.5 train when that was circulating Twitter a few weeks ago. Uh, but still, I don't think that's one of the wins for so, Akron. Then they uh, back-to-back wins, Ball State and Akron. Then they go Bowling Green. Win. I think we give them that win too. So three in a row going into the bye. They go at Northern Illinois on a Wednesday night. This is when the action starts. November second, Wednesday. Loss. That how many rush yards are in that game? Six hundred. <laughs> I mean, it's, I would say like to truly hit on like a true action of it, it would be forty mile an hour wins. It would be 13 degrees out and both quarterbacks throw for 700 yards total. Like combined, like it would just be the complete opposite of what you're expecting. Two great run games. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just chuck it 40 times each. And yeah. So loss. I I think loss. Yeah. And they get Buffalo on another Wednesday, following Wednesday. I think they can get that one. Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. We can get more in there. And then they close up with Western on the following Wednesday. So three Wednesdays in a row. Of course. And then Do they you feel up. that there's a perf- – like that they try and give one of them action days, like this is the premier day and then we put the secondary teams on the other day? Or I do you- think Wednesday's got to be the elite day and Tuesday's I, I always thought it was like- Tuesday. See, I kind of feel the opposite because Wednesday yeah. just feels – I mean, it's just closer to the Saturday. So, like, you know, yeah. when the season gets flipped or whatever – for them, I don't know. I mean, they're not competing with anybody in terms of TV. Yeah, it's, you know, they're not on <laughs> Thursday night, which is Grey's Anatomy and Station 19, you know, so. Correct. Monday um, is Bachelor. So do we so. Do we think they beat Western Michigan? I think yeah, they beat Western. Yeah, I do too. Then at Eastern, I say they lose. Friday night, uh, Black Friday. Uh, another tremendous uh, window. A, uh, Friday window. A noon, a noon. But kick. they also get an extra two days off. Like they have an extra yeah. two days to to get ready for it. Dune's catching seventeen passes in that game <laughs> for ninety-seven yards. Obviously, <laughs> right. I can go Eastern. I'm, I'm down. I can go Eastern. Eastern. All right. So the, to That's recap, fun. we got one more team, and then we're gonna wrap it up. So one. Two, three, four, five, six. Six wins. Central. That feels right. lower than what I would have guessed beforehand, but I think like we are pretty fair. Central seven and a half is their total. Oh. Six it's not too it's not crazy. We only gave them six. It felt like we were just reeling off wins for them. Well we did three in a row, but it was right after they lost the first two. They beat Bucknell, so there's one. Loss, yeah, loss, true, true. win, win, win. So there's four, loss, win, win, loss. So yeah, six. Go ahead and move to the final team. Another 
another Discord request. Houston. Open up at UTSA in the Alamo Dome. That seems like a really good week one matchup. That's a fun yeah, that's a fun uh, G five game for sure. Like UTSA definitely I think you could say they overachieved last year. They're like what eleven and one or whatever the heck they were, twelve and one in the bowl game. But I don't know that they do that again. Yeah. And I would I think Houston wins this. I think Houston probably has the better team. But I'll say Houston also. Yeah. Yeah. They get a win. Then they go at Texas Tech week two. I believe we picked Houston. Yeah, I like Houston. So I, I think a, we did take it. Yeah. Oh, 4 p.m. FS1. That'll be a good. Uh, that'll make our probably our week one B list so for sure. Two and zero. Oh. Houston's two and zero. Oh. With mm. again win against this UTSA and Texas Tech, then they get week three against Kansas. When so I think we yeah. can just group three, four, five, and six together, and I think we can start them six and zero. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't have any. I think Tulane could be tricky, theoretically speaking. Memphis could be tricky in Memphis. I th- I mean, I'm just saying, like, I think Memphis historically has been last at least last what three or four years have been good enough to be that'll be a fun game to play. And so, it's on a Friday night. What a great, what a great decision! Memphis, by I might, I might have to go guys. to that one. Boots on the ground. Might have to be Friday night. Get gimme. ESPN two. Got to cross state borders for that one though. I will. Out for the BL. <laughs> I'm cool with giving them. I could go either way. At Memphis, I have no issue. I th- I'm cool lost. with them beating Memphis. I'm just saying, in terms of tricky games, that's a tricky one. Yeah, definitely. It tricky. is. Let's go six and zero. Oh. Six let's, and zero. Oh, bye week at Navy. When? When? And they come off of that with homecoming against South Florida. When? When? Here's the game at SMU. Yeah, it's a good one. At SMU, here's the, here's the deal: if they don't lose to SMU, we're they're not losing a game. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I'm gonna give them loss. I'm at cool SMU, loss there. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. They, uh, Temple, what East do you think Carolina, the over under is? Or what? They're they're win total. That'll be you know your classic seventy six and a half. Oh, for that game. Uh, yeah, eighty-four. No, I meant the over/under for their win total. What do you think it is? Oh, I wish. Uh, not seventy-six and a half. It's probably it's not probably 11. ten and a half. It's probably yeah, like it's probably nine. Like, not it's nine. It's wow, ten. wow. Yeah, a little bit of juice on the over, not a ton. So I would think they're gonna say they're probably gonna lose to Texas Tech. It's probably the one that they're gonna try to say. Memphis is probably a fifty-fifty. SMU and then SMU. probably UTSA. I'll say Eastern, East Carolina East could be tricky too. At East Carolina, I guess a little bit. Because otherwise, if we don't pick, look, we're gonna give them eleven wins. Otherwise, I'm. I mean, we're giving them eleven wins. That's fine. I'm yeah. cool with it. I just Schedule's we're not much. letting the Vegas number determine right. our number. Absolutely, Zach. absolutely. We I, I wasn't saying we were. I was <laughs> 11 wins it is for Houston. Love it. Well, that's all for our win total series. And I think we need to get back to our lives at some point. Yeah, I got to go uh, make dinner. So, yes, I got to really do after work so, things. So, until um, next week, guys, thanks for watching.
you guys.